ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Glowing Weak Point, the show where I start it and Wombat doesn't. I'm your host, John. With me as always, my co-host, the man I previously mentioned. How's it's it going? It's me, Wombat. I introduced it like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. You're weird. It was weird. Uh, you're like, you're definitely better at it than I am. <laughs> What's your glowing weak point, Wombat? Shit. You know, I don't really have one. I was sick all weekend. Like, like a horrible illness. Could barely even read a book. Like, that, that's the that's the level I was at. Yeah, your household's had a weekend. rough time of it health-wise recently. Yeah, like Mitchell Mitchell got C. diff in Vegas, and then near the end of Vegas, Cadence caught like some illness, and then she came home. And then both me and Mitchell got the illness that she got in Vegas. So Mitchell's had it even worse. It's a lie, apparently. What happens in Vegas does not, in fact, stay no. in Vegas. And you know, it's 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 clearly just like a, a bad cold or, or something. Like it's nothing like too bad, but it was it was really like debilitating. That sucks. Like uh, I had a lot of um, reading I wanted to do for my government class over the weekend, and I did none of it. I just <laughs> I didn't even want to attempt to. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I barely read the book we were we had to read for this episode. Ah, uh, I mean. I also barely read it. I, I finished it, and then I immediately started working on the facts, and then I finished that while you were eating lunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished the book today between classes. Yeah, like, I, 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 I finished I mean, it like an hour ago or less. I had read the brunt of it before then. It was really just the side stories I had to get through. Yeah. But still. Which, I mean, we'll get to that later. Yes, we will. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I don't really have, like, a, a glowing weak point. Hmm. Um, Do better. Yeah. I just, I, I listened to podcasts and watched YouTube videos while doing the most AFK shit I could possibly do in RuneScape. <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually caught up on my podcasts. Which is bonkers to me because, I mean, er, earlier this uh, week I had like nine episodes or something to get through. <laughs> but See, I'm just never caught up on any of the podcasts I usually listen to. And in, have in fact dropped most of them and just re-listened to old episodes of Knowledge Fight over and over. <sighs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it helps um, that, like, I don't, um, of the five, no, six podcasts that I actually listen to, one of them has been on hiatus since uh, mid-2020, I want to say? Well, that would give a lot of time to catch up. Yeah, so uh, I haven't had any of that for a long time. Um one of them just lost their uh, executive producer, so they're damn. They're they're kind of between things, figuring out what life's going to be like after them doing all of the writing for them, and kind uh, of lost. Yeah, 
I mean, they they know what they're going to do. They just need to figure out the the actual like hows behind it, like who's going to do what and when they're going to do it when their time because this isn't a full time job for them. Um, right. Uh, and then uh, the other ones I've just gotten caught up on. It's weird. It's really weird. Um, I'm sorry you feel weird. Yeah. Oh, I, my life just feels weird now nowadays. Um, uh, speaking of uh, getting caught up or ahead on things, I have been playing a lot of Legends of Eidolon, and I have now proceeded from the second world to the third world. Oh. Yeah. So that's three new skills to to start work on and how much did you have to fucking level up to get to there um let's see my characters have a total level of let's see get back to the main menu here 401 jesus <laughs> yeah no biggie um <laughs> Yeah. When I abandoned my characters to fight carrots until the end of time, I think I was like level 15. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a combined level across my seven characters. So, oh. my, my highest level character is only 74. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still loving this game. Still <laughs> really enjoying it. All right, well, let's move on along. This is the Weeb episode. Uh, it's, uh, it's we love the Weeb episode. It's finally time for it. Uh, fortunately, there's not a whole lot of game facts, so we've got plenty of... And a very short recap. Yeah, it was Yeah, and honestly, the book, we'll get to it, the book was pretty short. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was pretty long, but in substance, it was pretty short. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, which is is fine because uh, this is the episode where we talk about all of the anime that exists in the world. So and uh, it usually takes an hour. So it looks like you've got two things you're getting rid of, and I've got you've got two and a half things, and I've got two things I'm I'm getting rid of. So we want to just go uh, ahead and get those out of the way. I still mean to watch all this trash. I just don't want to. <laughs> don't. There's there's plenty of good stuff. I know. It's like I want to talk about the shitty stuff, but that means that I, I would have to spend time that I could be spending, you know, playing a game I like or watching good anime. Yeah. No, instead I watching bad anime. And I just don't feel up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I've, I'm pretty much, I think we can su sufficiently say, I will never go back to Beast Tamer or Shinobi no Itoki. Okay. Um, I talked about their first episodes, I haven't watched another one since. Um, and then Raven of the Inner Palace, I watched the first two episodes, which I think we talked about. Yeah. And that concluded the first arc. And I have not watched any since. <laughs> and I might, 
that's that's one I might go back to. Okay. It's it's good enough in certain areas where I, I can see myself going back to it when I'm ready. I'm just not ready yet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, one that's somewhat similar to me is one that you you also watched uh, at least a couple episodes of the. Getting strong uh, off the farm. Yeah, I've somehow gotten stronger when I improved my farm-related skills, because I'm a big fan of the shitty, it's not an isekai, but it is, um, anime where it, it just delves into something really weird and off-base. Like, the, the pharmacy ones, or the assassin one, where, like, it really focuses in on one thing. It's not just like, hey, I'm a hero, so I, you know play the game that is this non-isekai isekai world um right but uh the this one seems to have promise and like the first episode i thought really did have a lot of promise because first episode he goes out there he kills the demon king it's like he uses all these farm skills to do it and shows how like the farm stuff directly uh correlates to battle skills in, in certain ways, so he can use them that way. That's cool. More of that. Every episode since, none of it. <laughs> they there was a lot of anime in this episode where the first episode was clearly not indicative of what the rest of the show was going to yes, be. Yes, yeah. And it seems like Farm was one of those. Yeah. And it, and it's I got set. that impression just from the end of the first episode. It's sad to me because, like, I would love to see him, uh, like, using more and more unique or minute farming skills or knowledge. Even if he uses, like, you know, ah, oh, there's a potato here and it, 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 you know, the enemy left this food behind and because of how i understand the food it, it's they're actually living here or whatever but no there's there's none of that he's just he's strong because he was a farmer and he still wants to be a farmer but he keeps getting dragged into other things and his harem is quickly growing and i've seen five episodes and it, it's not going back like the Immediately after the first one, they started an arc where there's, like, the the Dread Dragon. It's a dragon that feeds off of Dread. Um, I got that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it could just be, like, the Dread Pirate Roberts, whatever. Um, and, right, uh, but that's a title passed down through generations. Correct, yeah. Uh, there's three episodes, a three-episode uh, run of just this story, and I kept waiting for it to turn into something farming and it never did and it never did and then the <laughs> so i i waited till the end of that because i was like maybe it'll happen in this one or maybe it just needs to get this so that we can go to the next thing and it'll be there the next episode opens and it's like oh yeah there's this new type of fertilizer in this other city so let's go there so we can get this type of furniture that makes these tomatoes really good and that's just an excuse for them to go battle different monsters. There's nothing farming related at all in any of it. And so Ugh. it's, I had already marked That's it the off. one interesting thing it had going. It, it is. And so like, 
I had already marked it off like three episodes in of like, Mm-mm, this is trash. I'm not going to watch it. And I've just been continuing to watch it because we haven't talked about it yet. And the episode that came out yesterday or something, just, it sealed the deal. It was like, no, nah, this is never going to get back to when it was good. So, bye. <laughs> it was never good, though. No. Uh, the other one that I'm getting rid of is The Little Lies We All Tell, which is... I was considering watching this. It's it's not that great. There, there's, no? there's no good draw to it. Um... And and honestly, that's that's coming from someone who didn't actually watch all of it. Like, uh, we, <laughs> my wife and I watched the first episode of it, and then stopped because it was like this is just really really mid. Like, there's there's, <laughs> there's, there's no actual reason to keep watching this. There's nothing particularly good about it. Uh, it's about four girls. Spoilers. It's not. Uh, who are friends, and one of them is a... Oh, no! Hold on, hold on. I want to say this. You know what? I was considering watching that until I read the description, and then the the crazy things about the three girls is that three of them are, like, out of battle manga, (laughs) and then one of them is just transgender. And that's the crazy thing. No, not even that. <laughs> so, and so, I was like, "Wow, we're just we're saying that is as insane no, as no, 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 being no, like no, a no, dragon no, slayer." No, you, you've got it. You're you're completely off base because that's not actually okay. what it is. So one of them, no, one of them is an alien uh, general who Uh was being attacked and crash-landed into the school and is is using her technology to make the others believe that she's actually a human like them. Um, One of them is a ninja who was supposed to go in and kill uh, the headmaster of the school or whatever, but decided that she just wanted to escape the school. So she's constantly fighting off ninjas sent to kill her, but she's doing everything she can to remain a member of the school. Uh, the third member, the only thing special about her is that she's got... Telekinesis is not wrong? Uh, she can read other people's minds. She's, um, she's the kid from Spy Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, she knows that the other two are, in fact, an alien general... And, uh... A ninja. (laughs) A ninja. And, uh... uh, For some reason, she can't read the other uh, person because uh, she doesn't understand the fact that she can only read girls' brains. And the other person is not transgender. They are a man. They are definitely a man. They are 100% man. Oh. Their sister wanted his sister wanted to go to the all boys school that he had gotten um accepted into and so she forced him to go to the all girls school in her place so she could go to that and apparently she's scary and can make that happen so he has to he's forced to dress up as a girl and pretend to be a girl so that he can blend in but he's not like I- like oh yeah girls he's he just hates the entire experience 
I'm really not sure if this is better or worse than the impression I got from the synopsis. Well, it's not looking down on transgender people like you were saying, so... That's true. Better? It's no longer as offensive. Yeah, because the thing you were saying, I had to stop because it was definitely not that. That was what I got from the synopsis. But it's it it's was definitely not that, that. It was like here's three people with like superpowers, and that's crazy. And then the fourth one, wow, isn't it crazy that they're trans? That was what I got. Yeah. Nope. Uh, but it just like the the humor, the humorous situations were just not that interesting. It 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 was no. it was not a sell. Okay. That's unfortunate. Yep. Well, that's all the ones we weren't watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, oh, where do we want to start, John? Do, do you so, want to start with one we've both seen? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Chainsaw Man's awesome. Chainsaw Man is really good. Uh, <laughs> fucking power! Power is insane. Yes, I love power so much. I. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny the the fact that so he's a man who died and his demon puppy uh, took over his body for him so that he could keep living and cute uh, little pochita yeah and the one thing he wants in life is to just have a better life than the one he was living where uh, and also to touch boobs and also yeah to go all the way but <laughs> but we're getting there a base at a time. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, first base is, uh, it's what we're going for. (laughs) (laughs) Hand under the bra. Yeah. And for some reason, he's decided power would be the easier one to get, get to that with. Power. Rather than Makima. Yeah. And, and... (laughs) Well, I mean, and power is a demon who has taken over uh, a teenage girl's corpse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and who until very recently lived in the woods covered in mud. Yes. <laughs> so you know, more, more, <laughs> more power to him. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a beautiful anime, and it's funny, and the characters are interesting, so... Uh, and the fight scenes are always badass. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure the manga people hate it for some reason or other, because it probably doesn't get everything right, but it's, it's good. Who knows? Yeah. I'll get to the manga one day, but this anime is fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's real good. Um, um, I, I especially liked the second episode, the uh, quote-unquote fight between um, Denji and uh, the black-haired guy whose name I can't remember, where the black-haired guy's just kind of fucking kicking his ass <laughs> yeah. in the back alley, yeah. and then Denji's like, whenever I fight a dude, I only go for the nuts, and then he kicks him in the nuts. Like, like nine <laughs> And then nuts. the fight continues, and then the... And then, the only punch Denji throws back to him is a kick in the nuts. <laughs> he wasn't lying. He only got right. nuts. That dude's probably sterile at this point. <laughs> I mean, he, he clocks him in the, in the balls like nine times. It's so hard, too. 
<laughs> and for some reason, for some reason, Makima, Makima didn't explain why she was keeping Denji around to this guy until this latest episode. Yeah. So he's just like, why do we have this fucking loser dude around? And she's like, oh, by the way, he can turn into a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> uh, is it just me or is Makima the same thing as Denji? Like, she also is probably uh, a human. Fiend. I don't think so, because she's she's explicitly mentioned before that there's no record of anyone like him before. I don't feel and, like that was And nobody reacts like to her that. like that. Well, okay, but, I mean, if you see the way but they're like her higher Denji, ups that... Her higher-ups don't treat her like they look, look at Denji. Yeah, but... Like, they treat her a as a respectable person. I, I don't think other people know. Oh, you don't? No, 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 no. I, I think that she is another one like it. Because um, she says it's very rare. And that there's no recorded um, instances of it happening. You, you don't say something's rare and it's never happened before in the same sentence. Unless you know for a fact it's happened before. I mean, it could be. I don't get that vibe. I, I don't know. I do. Uh, everything about her strikes me as she's got a big secret and she's related to him in some way. I need to see her with another demon because all the demons can, like, sniff out. Like, they all comment on how Denji, like, smells and tastes weird because <laughs> he's a, a human but also a demon. So, I feel like if she was in a room with another demon, that might get remarked on. But she can so. smell him. She can smell the different types of his blood. That's a point towards my idea. It is. But it could also just be like she's super good at her job, and that's the reason why she's gotten no, to her position. No, she's she's definitely also combined in some way. Maybe. I'll give you a maybe. Okay. Uh, Spy X Family, uh, the second core, has come out, and we get introduced to uh, Inusan, Bond, uh, <clears throat> the pet dog. Bond-san is fucking great. And, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, fucking Borf all the way. <laughs> Borf. <laughs> Borf. 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 <laughs> uh, that's really all that needs to be said. Spike's family continues to be a top tier anime, and uh, Bonsan is uh, incredible. Love him. Um, seeing Yor finally find a dish that she can make that isn't poisonous. Yes, that was pretty good. Yes, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, seeing Yor San poison the hell out of her brother repeatedly is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, him him fucking eating the food while simultaneously vomiting and talking about how it tastes so delicious. And you realize you realize at that point she created him. Oh yeah. Like, like he is the way he is because of her. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh reincarnated as a sword is uh still awesome. Pretty good, yeah. Despite the first episode the, being the worst first episode of the season, um, the rest of the show has been fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's been really good. Um, yeah. 
It's really unfortunate that they started <laughs> the way they did. Yeah. Um, just the, uh, the interactions between, uh, Shisho. Teacher. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just good. Uh, Teacher and Fran. Yeah. Fran's great. I hope Fran levels up. I mean, you, you know she will. I mean, she's been leveling up. You mean evolve. Yeah, uh, yeah evolve. Whatever. Because she's like level 17 now or some shit. Yeah. Um, we're both watching Bochi the Rock, uh, which absolutely nails. <laughs> I fucking it, called the shit with the red-haired girl as soon as I fucking... As soon as they mentioned that there was a, a guitarist they had who quit, who ran away... And there was a fourth girl in the opening. I was like, that's that's the girl. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they didn't they didn't do a good job of hiding that one at all. <laughs> and then, but, but, the reason why she ran away, the fact that she didn't know how to play guitar at all, and she was just not going to rehearsals in order to hide that fact... Mm-hmm. That was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at no point, they were like, yo, she never comes to rehearsal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we've never seen her play the guitar. Can she play the guitar? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's real good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I love... I love that it isn't just Kaon. I I I love that there is like an actual plot here. Like, like they are actually like becoming better as a as a band and as individual mu- musicians as they move forward. Like, it's it's got substance to it. Uh okay. As for this next one, I don't remember. Did I write it this way or did you write it this way? <laughs> I wrote it that okay, way. Okay, so the next one is Do It You a Serifu. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched the latest episode of this, but that's just because I was sick and I didn't want to watch anime. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, it's, it, I mean, this is, just like the last one was Cute Girls Do uh, Rock Band, uh, this one is Cute Girls Do It Themselves. It's, it's Do It Yourself, DIY uh, stuff. And, of course... The, this one's more like K-On, though, where there's yeah. not really a plot. Yeah, this one's definitely is just Cute Girls Do Blank. Cute um, shit. Yeah. yeah. And and it is. It is cute girls doing cute shit together. And <laughs> main character's name, of course, is Yua Serifu, which, you know, when you say it, is yourself. Yeah. So it's do it main character. Um, the latest episode that I watched... Had introduced the uh, blonde rich girl, um, and it was very funny to find out <laughs> at the end of the show that she had applied, or she thought she had applied for the like super big, towering, awesome high school that surrounds their rinky-dink nothing high school. Yep. But she doesn't actually fully understand Japanese, so she applied for the wrong one. Well, it it, it, it is literally one kanji difference, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. it 
Uh, and the kanji do, in fact, look similar. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, so, it's, it's good. But it was very funny. It was yeah. great. And, and the way she's so tsundere for that entire episode, I wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, they, they took they took the classic tsundere and upped it to, like, 11. Alright, Momosu Gundam, the witch from Mercury. It's so pretty. She's getting like a harem going, and she, it involves men and women. Yeah, I like it. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like a bisexual harem. Ugh. <laughs> uh. It is weird that it includes her fiancé and her <laughs> fiancé's ex-fiancé. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> I don't 100% understand what's going on there because, like, in the same breath, he says, like, no, uh, how, how could I ever do anything? Marry me, yeah. but it's not like I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, dude. He's he's very tsundere, which is weird. He has, he has great hair, though. Oh, he does. Like, what... When I saw that hair, I knew he wasn't going to be a bad guy for the whole show. I was like, that's that's supporting character hair. Yeah. Um, it's great hair. Um, yeah. Uh, great, great anime. It's it's honestly one of the, the best this season. Which is saying something, because there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, fight scenes second only to Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Like, Chainsaw Man has the best fight scenes of the season. But Mercury gets pretty close. All right. Uh, moving on to the last one that we both are watching. Uh, Chunibyo, the, uh, <laughs> the show. <laughs> Every episode is so wildly different in tone. Yes, like... it, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, like, completely back and forth. Also, the first one takes itself so seriously. Yes. So, like, deadpan serious. This is dark, 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 bullshit, dark anime, dark shit. And then the second one is like, yo, this kid's an idiot. Yo, he's a fucking total moron. <laughs> he He's making shit up just on the spot, and people are buying it. And then it turns out it's all true. Like, all the bullshit he's, he's, he's spreading around, it's all true, but he's the only one who doesn't know that it's true. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. And then the third episode was just straight high school rom-com shit. Yep. Just... Just high school, he's, he's like being a dog for his fake girlfriend, biting gold out of the air and shit. Yep. And then, and then she gets kidnapped. <laughs> and then it becomes, it becomes grim, dark, dark bullshit again. Yep. No, it, it, it really, <laughs> it goes back and forth between him trying to be the most background character that could ever exist. To... Well, that's what he wants his public image to be. Yeah. That's what he wants people to see him as. Meanwhile, he's actually a dark overlord operating from the shadows. Yeah. Except he doesn't even know he is that. He just wants to he's look like He's actually that. that. Yeah. The the best part of the show yet was when he he um buys all of that like eloquent furniture and paintings <laughs> and shit. 
<laughs> and he makes his room up to look like a fucking evil overlord's lair just to have a single meeting with one of his subordinates. Yeah, and he, he nails it too. I mean, he, he he's, does. He's it's so good. He's got good taste in how to be chuny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know what to think of this. If it wasn't just so funny with how it goes back and forth with him being an actual imbecile to him being such a the most competent person in the universe yeah (laughs) Uh, then uh, this would be an easy drop for me but they they keep getting it It, it, it's like they, they get it all the time and they get it enough to know that sometimes they shouldn't get it Right? Yeah. Like, like, like sometimes you just need to not understand what you're doing in order for it to be so much better. Yeah. Take yourself too seriously occasionally. It's fantastic. Um, And it's honest, it's also a little weird to me that, um, the main supporting cast is not really his direct subordinates in his um his big organization. Yeah. Like none of them have had any fucking character development like at no, all. No, at all. Or even really any focus. No, they they It's all like his classmates. His, yeah. It's his classmates, it's his sister, it's his fake girlfriend princess, like those are the real like supporting cast. Uh, and then the organization is just kind of there. Yeah, just growing behind the scenes without him having any involvement in it. Right. <coughs> Which I, I guess uh, explains how it works. Because if he had any involvement with it, you know it wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, no, it would absolutely stall out. And that's probably why at the end of the second episode, they're like, we have to leave you. Because they realize that they they won't be able to grow the organization properly with him at the helm, but he is no, still no, no, like no, their no, leader. No, 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 no. They, uh, it's it's not from any conscious realization that he is ineffective, because they still one hundred percent believe in him. Well, because like, he like, is badass. But like, like they believe a hundred percent of him. Like they the the like letter and everything. Everything in the most recent, they one hundred percent believe he is at the core of everything and truly the mastermind behind all of this. They just also think that they're doing his wishes by leaving him to go build the organization. Like, right? <laughs> he's he's convinced them. To trick themselves into doing what needs to be done. <laughs> it's bonkers. Okay, I think... Okay, let me parse what you're trying to say. So, he is so competent in their eyes. In their eyes. He is so competent that without explaining it to them, he has somehow communicated to them 
that they should go off on their own and build the organization without him so that he can continue living his ordinary life and pretending to be this nobody background character but con- so that he will fly under the radar. Yes, but constantly also pointing out new issues that, that need to be solved for them. Like, like... In their eyes, him being at the center of this uh, kidnapping and uh, the ring of, of, of stuff happening in the city at the school is just obvious. Like, of course he would be involved. He came to this school specifically because he knew that this would be happening. That this that, is like, going to like, happen. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the foresight involved with this man to do the thing that he's absolutely not doing. Um, right. He's stumbling his way into being the most brilliant person in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to- um, I think I, the best moment in the show and the most telling of his character, and this is the last thing I'll say about the show, but um, there's a moment in that... Um, that overlord lair scene where the the subordinate he's talking to mentions that they have 114 people working on this (laughs) and he's like you hired a bunch of extras we had the money for that and she's like what because they just have 114 members yeah yeah And he does not realize the extent to which his organization of super-powered badass elf women has grown. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Blue Lock. I know you want oh, to watch man. this, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Blue Lock, I mentioned before, it's Squid Games, but soccer. And and the, the whole point of the show was that friendship and teamwork aren't how you become the best at a sport. It's by trampling on the the fucking faces of everybody beneath you, right? Just <laughs> fuck everybody else. You're the best, and you're going to prove it. Mm. And the main character is the first one to make that leap and, <laughs> and, and say, I'm going to get all the fucking strongest people out of here so that I become the strongest. And then immediately after that's that's made, they now all have they now have to fight the other groups as a team. Yeah. Which means not that they need to start operating as a team, but that somebody has to stand out from the crowd and make the rest of the team realize that they're the best. That's that's the point of this particular exercise. Like you're all you're all strikers. None of you are defenser, defenders, right? So kick kick to the curb the idea of like really defending the goal because none of you are good at it. Yeah. So just find the one person on the team who is the best at making a shot at the goal and just get that person the ball. Hmm. And they learned this by having the team they were fighting realize this first and win the game. Oh. Yeah. So it's a it's a round robin kind of thing where each team has to fight the five other teams. 
Yeah. Or play the five other teams. And they've already lost one, which means if they lose another, the, the, they're at risk of being on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're already starting from, uh, from the back foot. Okay. It's pretty great. Um, okay. And, and also, like, there's, it's not just that that's happening. There's also this, like, the the government entity that operates Japan's soccer team mm-hmm. is the one who put this into motion, obviously, right? And every now and then, we get insights into the, the people who were putting this together. And it's just, it's such insane greed shit. <laughs> just... <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, I want, I want... Japan to win a World Cup. That's all I fucking want. Japan needs to win a fucking World Cup, and we're never going to do that with all this fucking friendship and happiness bullshit. Uh, I love it. Well, I'm, um, I'm watching Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer still uh, from last still, season. Still, yeah, that's still happening. It's it's actually gotten a little bit better. Uh, although not good enough for anyone to start watching it from the beginning. Um, <laughs> not to get to this This point. is slowly turned into one where you were like, no, this is good, to one where you're like, I wouldn't recommend people watch it, but since I already am, yeah. like, I'm having fun. I, I mean, it's been, <coughs> it, it's honestly been that way since the beginning. Uh, the, at the beginning, it was like, this could be good. Like, like, give it a chance that this could be good. And now that I'm, I'm this far in, it's like, it isn't, but it's good enough to keep watching if you already are. Um, It came off to me, like, I'm finally able to put this into words. It came off to me like low rent X 1999. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but there, it's like two, there's a good side and an evil side and, um, they each have like an equal number of players and they're fighting each other for the fate of the world. Hmm. Yeah, I guess sort of. Uh it's mostly And it's clamp so everybody has fucking sharp ass chins and long <laughs> legs. Mostly it's about uh the it, it covers the interpersonal things between characters and like backstories of their lives of the each of the 12 knights um and uh like what's like why they're doing what they're doing or what led them to the place they are now or what they wished for or um you know occasionally it'll be like a person's whole life and then they die in a fight versus a golem um, and, and then like, the next two episodes are dealing with that and more interpersonal stuff. It's, it's like, there's a fight every single episode at this point, which is good. Um, but that, I mean, it desperately needs that because otherwise that's, like, it's mostly just to drive the interpersonal stuff forward, which is interesting. Um, but okay. yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest picking it up. <laughs> Akiba made war. Ooh! Oh my god, I really wish you would pick this one up. I wish everybody would pick up Akiba made war. 
Um, it's so intense. It's every episode. It's life or death. Every single episode. Hmm. Um, and, and like you think, oh, maids, whatever. No, gunfights, gunfights all the time. Oh my god, they had a they had a gambling episode where they were like gambling gambling on their like future as a maid. They were about to get like shipped. They were all about to lose, and they were gonna get shipped off to like fish up crabs in the Arctic Ocean, right? (coughs) And then the real main character. Because the point of view character is not the main character. But the real main character said, um, fuck that shit. And she just killed all of the maids who operate the casino. And then they left. (laughs) But this time, it wasn't just her in the gunfight. It was the rest of the girls, too. Mm. Like, they're throwing grenades around. They're... (laughs) It was insane. Dude, it was so insane. And I don't know how they don't get arrested. I don't know. And in the latest episode, it turned out that um, they're actually members of like a greater crime family kind of thing. You know, like a Yakuza kind of thing. Yeah. A maid Yakuza. And they get sent a representative from the maid Yakuza to like whip them into shape. Because they're bad at all of their jobs. Except for the gunfights, and that's really only Ronko. Um, and most of them get completely swept up into it. And just become, like, best buddies with the, the representative and shit. Yeah. And, and they become, like, the model maid cafe. But then, the character who's a gal... Um, you know, she she started playing along with it too, but she never really felt felt it. She took off her makeup. She dyed her hair black again. Um, but then at the end of the episode, she comes back in in her full maid out uh, maid getup with the uh, with the chief who they who had been kicked out at the beginning of the episode and was living on on the streets eating out of dumpsters. Um, with the panda, who it turns out is. Confirmed to just be a human in a panda suit, which I had my suspicions of. But, um, she comes back with the chief and the panda and is like, uh, yo, we're going to go back to how we were. (laughs) And everybody sides with her and they kick the, the fucking representative out. And she's like, oh my God. Oh no. Because it's implied that because they're falling back into their old ways, she's going to be murdered. <laughs> because she failed to do her job, she's going to be killed. Yeah. Oh, and I, I failed to mention the part where the chief comes in with a bazooka and aims it at the, the representative. And then the gal character grabs the bazooka from the chief and runs it upstairs and points it at a, a giant bl- wooden wooden block pole thing they had made yeah. that was like was supposed to be representative of their pride of being part of the family. Yeah. And blew it up <laughs> with a bazooka. Ugh. It's so good. It's so good. 
What other show has that? What other show has a maid with a bazooka? No idea. Okay. Anyways. Management of a novice alchemist. <laughs> uh, this is uh, cute girls do alchemy. Except God damn it. <laughs> except alchemy is less about the time where you uh, like make p- brew potions and uh, put them into glass bottles to sell to people and more about uh, keeping your business afloat and also going out and fighting things. There's, there's a lot of... Oh, so more more full metal alchemist. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it is still the, the brewing potions and stuff uh, to help people... But you gotta get the the uh, reagents for that somewhere, and mostly that's through creatures. So, um, oh, it's Atelier. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah. It's the Atelier games. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Um, Never mind. Yeah. Not Full Metal Alchemist. No, no, not not really. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a cute girl harem. Basically. Okay. Yep. Um, the last one I have is Mob Psycho 100 Season 3. <sighs> Where do I start with this? Um, so, the big turn that I've been waiting for since, like, the middle of Season 1 has finally happened. Okay. Um, and Dimple has become the bad guy again. Okay. If you don't remember Dimple, he's the uh, the green ghost with an ghost. irritating voice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Mob's like best friend and sidekick and shit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the last season, or near the end of it, this uh this cult had started popping up called the Psycho Helmet Religion. Yes. And Mob was technically the founder of that, right? Yes. Uh. Well, Dimple has taken on a form that looks kind of like Mobs, and he's using the power of the giant broccoli to brainwash the entire city into becoming followers of the Psycho Helmet religion, and thus him. And at this point, everybody has fallen prey to it except Mob. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. Mob's brother... Um, Reagan, like hmm. everybody he knows, all of his, all of his friends and family, which means the implication is that it's the entire city. Everybody in the city is now brainwashed into being followers of the Psycho Helmet cult. Um, oh, except for Hanazawa, who was the first one to notice it and flew into the into the big broccoli and started fighting Dimple. And got his ass kicked. Okay. Because that's Hanazawa's job, is to be a jobber for Mob. Like, <clears throat> he, he gets his ass kicked to show how, how strong something is so Mob can come in and, like, kick its ass. Okay. That's Hanazawa's entire purpose. And he does it wonderfully. Like, because he is still pretty strong and noticeably strong. So it's like, oh, he got his ass kicked. That means this dude could, like, destroy the world. Mm. Um, 
So I'm I'm excited to see where they go with the resolution of this. Because I really doubt they would just like kill Dimple. But I also feel like Dimple has crossed a line. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't feel like you can go back to what they were before now that they now that he's done this. Yeah. Probably not. So I'm excited to see where that goes, but that's all I wanted to say about that. Okay. I have not started that yet because I don't really remember what happened in season two, and I definitely don't remember what happened in season one. <laughs> so I need to go back and rewatch all of that, and I hate doing that, and I don't have time to begin <laughs> with, so... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a general enough knowledge of what happened in those last seasons that I didn't need to go back and rewatch it. Though there's definitely moments where I'm like, or characters and stuff where I'm like, I don't really remember why I know you, but I do know you, and so I'll just accept it and move on. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that. Now it's time for game facts. The facts about the Halloween. We're recording this on Halloween. We are. That was why I picked this yep. one. I figured. It'll be out after Halloween, though. Yes. I, I Unfortunate. I, I figured you weren't going to quickly turn it around and release it, like, three days no. before schedule when it's already, like, <laughs> six o'clock my time. Yeah. Right. Halloween is a 1983 horror video game developed by Micrographic Image and published by Wizard Video for the Atari 2600. Yeah, Wizard Video. Is this based on the movie Halloween? Yes. Yes, it oh, is. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you never know. You never know with stuff that's this yeah. old. It yeah. could just be like, here's Halloween. And it's just like, you go trick-or-treating. Yeah. Yeah, could be. It's not. In Halloween, you play as the babysitter, Lori Strode, as they find an attempt to save as many children as possible while evading the killer, Michael Myers, who chases them down through the house. Yep. Was was Michael Myers the villain of the first Halloween? Yes. Oh, for some reason? I've never watched it, and when I've seen people talk about it, I, I feel like they were talking about his mom more? You're you're thinking of Jason and um Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Completely, okay, completely I got them confused. Different. Yeah. Jason is um Friday the thirteenth? Yes. Okay. Um and yeah, there's there's I I also have not seen either of these, but um, <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of similar, though. Like, they both wear masks. Yes. I, I suppose you could say that. <laughs> okay, I'll move one, on. One had a crossover with Nightmare on Elm Street, and the other one didn't. So, yeah. All three of them went I, to space, I, though. I, I, guess, I guess it's better to say one had a crossover with Nightmare on Elm Street, and the other one has the lady from the Yoplait commercials. <laughs> uh, 
The farthest left and right rooms of the house are safe rooms where you bring the children. But about half a second after entering any other room, a modified Shatner-masked murderer shows up and hunts either you or a child, whichever is closer, down to stab with a knife. Damn. Just half a second later? Despite the characters not actually being referred to by name in the game, the music is a rendition of the movie's main theme, and the cartridge label, when they bothered to print it and didn't just ship it with a piece of tape with Halloween markered on, was the movie's theatrical poster. They did that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> they just they just fucking, like, masking just, tape, just masking tape to, and marker. Uh, a label? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Handwritten, too. Yeah. Oh. That's got to be more work than just printing the fucking label out. <coughs> Why the uh, fuck would they do that? That's insane. That's what interns are for. You obtain points by rescuing children or stabbing Mikey with a knife, if you can find one. And after stabbing him twice or rescuing five children, you go up a level and the killer gets harder, better, faster, stronger. Is that a reference to something? No. It's just okay. it's just true. <laughs> Continue until three children get murderated or you die once. Yeah. Damn, it's a you die once and it's over game. Correct. Uh and and uh if if Michael Myers stabs a, a kid, they just start bleeding from their head. Uh but if if Michael Myers uh gets you, uh he cuts your fucking head off and you run around spurting blood around the screen like a headless chicken. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. 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 This is an incredibly boring <laughs> <Like> game. <that. laughs> Micrographic Image was founded by Timothy G. Martin and other former employees escaping the destruction of Games by Pilot, the second third-party developer after Activision's creation, which only made 12 games, none of which sold well and it died in the market crash. However, they did make Space Cavern, which was the first Atari game to feature scrolling. Yeah! Wow. I mean, before then, you just went to the edge of the screen, and then a new screen appeared. Right. I mean, it does seem like all of their games were bad, though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> I, I really, I really, really like the... Um, the Wikipedia article for it. Um, uh, their first title was Skeet Shoot, and neither it nor the ten games that followed caught on, and the company was one of the first to declare <laughs> bankruptcy as a result of the video game crash of 1983. Good job. Uh, yep. Well, the first ones, not even the people who made E.T., the cause of the crash. Yep. Except not. We covered that. But, move yeah. on. I mean, it, it's, it's seen as... The, whatever. Their first game was Halloween, which, while it didn't sell well in general, it provided enough funding for them to open their doors to new projects and partnerships with Broderbund, which honestly didn't go very far aside from Spelunker, which keeps getting re-released for virtual consoles and PS networks. Which, like, why? Because nobody cares about Spelunker. No, they, I don't. I don't get it. But it it, it does keep getting re-released. It does keep getting re-released. Yeah, like a lot. 
I don't know, dude. I don't get it. Yeah. Despite it doing well for Micrographic Image, it was not such a fortunate decision for Wizard Video, better known for its B-movie production, including The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah! Hell yeah! (laughs) Shit yeah! Yeah! Have you seen it? No. Okay. (laughs) You should. I'm never going to. You should. (laughs) Should I? Yeah. It's a a franchise. There's, I mean, yeah, but there's, there's from from what films. I hear, the o- the only good one is the first one. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh. See, it, it's weird what I have and haven't seen. Because I have seen um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Only the first one. Okay. Well, you need to watch Friday the 13th so that you can get to the point where you can see Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Because, I mean, I don't care. That's, that's a. I remember when that movie came out. That was, like, such a big deal at my high school. Me too, yeah. Like, such a huge deal. Everybody was talking about it, making jokes about Freddy versus Jason Uh and shit. Yeah, no. And I just had no point of reference for it (laughs) at all. It was an iconic (laughs) moment in uh, pop culture history. I also hadn't seen either one of those movies, so had no idea what to think. Right. Their first and only video games they produced were both gory and intended for adults, and thus weren't retailed very well. Ironically, the movie that put them on the map killed it later, because of its video game adaptation. Yeah, that's right. There's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. It was the, the two, That can't be good either. The two games they made were the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween. And that Insane. was just the facts. You know, I, I watched a movie recently. I, I, I was meaning to bring this up as my glowing weak point, but I forgot about it. Mm, okay. But there's a movie that came out on Amazon Prime recently called Run, Sweetheart, Run. <clears throat> it's a it's a horror movie where this um, single single mother trying to become a lawyer. She gets She's like a secretary for an attorney right now. She gets sent on a client dinner, and then the client tries to murder her, and then slowly throughout the course of the movie, it turns out that the that guy is actually, like, Satan. Mm. Like, really Satan? Like a demon? Yeah. Um, and it was, like, really good, except for... It, <clears throat> he's also representative of like the patriarchy and everything, right? He's like, yeah, he, yeah. he's crushing women's ambitions and and shit like that. Like, it, it's pretty clearly spelled out in the subtext. But then the movie got bad for like a minute because she meets up with this character who's called the First Lady, who's an angel, um, who's sent to defeat this guy, uh. And she just kind of lays out all of the subtext as text. Like, he's the reason why men have been in power for centuries, and he destroys matriarchies everywhere they spring up. And I'm just like... Mm -hmm. Like, am I such an idiot that you felt like you didn't... You couldn't just let the movie speak for itself? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, it was a really good horror movie, but but then it just stopped to, like, give a lecture about patriarchy for a minute. And it's like, you had already done a really, really, really good job of 
laying out that he was representative of that idea yeah. for the entire movie. Mm. And I don't know, maybe some people need that, but like, mm. it just felt bad. Oh well. Yeah. Been watching horror movies for, for October, so. It's Halloween. Yeah. Alright, <coughs> time to talk about Infinite Dendrogram 3. I don't remember what the uh, subtitle is, but you probably have the book. The Clash of the Superiors. There you go. <laughs> um, any, any thoughts up top about this book, John? Uh, it's really short. Yeah. Yeah, like really not a lot of substance to it. No, there really wasn't. Uh it's it's not a bad book, but no. There's it really it just doesn't go anywhere. And it it comes off of a book that also like it finished without anything future. Like the, the last book ended with like hey, there's that thing that Marie wants to do with us where she took like half the money to go do stuff with. And, and, like, more vague bullshit plotting between Franklin and Hugo. Yeah, that, that was like, alright, so some things are gonna happen, but we have literally no foreshadowing to actually be able to tell what. I mean, y- you know that something's gonna happen soon where the... What's the other? Darfur? The... the Dreyf? Dreyf? Drife. Drife. The Drife Imperium. Yeah. Drife Imperium is probably going to attack sometime soon in the next couple days. So, like, we, we have that to look forward to. And then uh, this, this book doesn't get into that until the very end of it, at which point it's like, And now we're about to fight you! Find out next time on Infinite Dindergram 4! Right. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Thanks. I could have skipped this book. I mean, you can't. It's it is a good book and it does have like it does solve a bunch of things and it does answer a bunch of questions. It ties up some loose ends from the first two books. Yeah. And it sets up some stuff that will be important for the next two books. But yeah. But for itself, there's not much going on here. Yeah. And then it's like, you, you finish three quarters of the book, and you're like, alright, it says the book is done, but I'm only three quarters of the way done. And then, but then the last quarter was the only part of the book I liked, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Go ahead. Yeah. This book is the seltzer water of Infinite Dendrogram. By that, I mean it has, like, the hint of flavor to it, but there's not really anything. Yeah. It's no wonder I thought the story arc ended in book book four rather than five, because this is so lacking in any real substance, I won't be surprised if I forget its existence in the middle of this recap. <laughs> it opens with a prologue where... <laughs> right! <laughs> I was really feeling it when I wrote that. <laughs> That's some fucking harsh words there. <laughs> I was... I had just finished the book, like, an hour beforehand, and I was really upset. (laughs) 
It opens with a prologue where Goblin Street, the murderous PK group who were juiced by Lele back in the first book, get completely obliterated in, or in order to job for Zun Yu, one of those superiors in the book's subtitle, Clash of the Superiors. It was, for, it was here I first noticed that these books have a tendency to give a male gender to entities whose gender is unknown. Uh, Zun Yu is a four meter tall, long limbed creature that can rip out a person's heart from two miles away. And is a close friend to the young Huang Hei prince, Kang Long, whom she's escorting. I say she because in the afterward it is revealed that Zun Yu is a woman. Ha, a thing that you didn't know Which, until I taught you. I really didn't realize it. Like, I learned that in a later book because I don't read the fucking afterwards. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I figured it out uh, the moment that uh, she spoke to Ray. At, at, like, the last moment she spoke to Ray. Uh, thought, thought it was a little obvious. Oh, because Ray is like, Ray is like, oh, she's, or, or not she's, but like, uh, Ray has some kind of like weird comment about when she leans in to talk to him. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, she doesn't use her her sound muffler, her her voice modulator at that point. Yeah, it's the, it's the talisman, by the way. The, yeah. the talisman like changes her voice. Yeah. So if she speaks yeah. to you the, under that, the talisman, that was obvious. Um, yeah. The 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 second thing is. Uh, I, I forget exactly what she says, but it's something like, I'm looking forward to seeing more of you, Sweet Cheeks, which um, oh, yeah. is not exactly something that most men say to other men. So it, it seemed pretty obvious at that point that while the gender is still not exactly certain, you could make a pretty good inference to be honest, it's a weird comment regardless of who's making it, though. Yeah. Like, Sweet Cheeks just isn't anything anybody says to anyone. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. <laughs> it's just usually only spoken by old white men to uh, girls that are Young significantly younger than them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like Zunyu a lot, though. Zunyu is awesome. Yeah, it seemed pretty cool. The first chapter is called Lectures and Reunions, and it's as boring as you'd think from that title. It's mostly just doing cleanup from the last two books, giving Ray the chance to formally talk to the Royal Knights about the incident with the Goose Maze gang, meet up with Marie to discuss ways he can get better, which boils down to recognize your weaknesses and erase your agility or endurance, while also foreshadowing certain characters' builds for the future. Um, and they have Rook join them just in time to not let Marie spill the beans on her big secret. And Ray, just in general, kind of has the game explained to him in greater detail at this point. Yeah. Like, it's just filling in a lot of, like, gamey details that <coughs> you don't really need to hear in a recap. Yeah, no. Um... I did find the the raise your agility or endurance thing interesting, just because that's such like a min max way of looking at everything. Uh, I mean, it is it is accurate though. Uh, of like, if yeah, the way it's explained is pretty good. Like, 
It I makes mean, sense. I mean, that's it's it's true for most games in that, like, y- if you don't increase your defense in some manner, then having the biggest attack isn't going to do anything. Like, if you can't survive long enough to get your attack off, then it's worthless. So you need to have some form of defense, whether that is defense or endurance or whatever, resistance, whatever the hell you want to call it. Or, speed, or the ability to not get dodge, hit. Dodge, agility, whatever the <laughs> hell you want to call that. I mean, really, it's it's the Beaufort way of looking at things, you know? Um, Maple is the pure endurance, and then Sally is the pure agility. Yeah. And they're both, like, unkillable. Yeah. Um... Then Ray collects his bounty for defeating the Guzmez gang, a whopping 80 million lire, and immediately starts thinking about how he doesn't deserve the reward and how Hugo needs some of it. I, I really get annoyed with Ray sometimes. Me too. Just the constant, just like, I don't deserve any of this thing. It's like, dude, you almost died like 20 times getting that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Idiot. Just take the money and be happy. Uh, he runs into Brother Bear and meets a woman with a porcupine embryo who will not be important for another ten books, and is able to share his bro- his stories with his brother while also learning Shu and Figaro are close friends and that his brother is as ridiculous in the game as he is in real life. Legit, like, a- a- every now and then that woman with the porcupine will show up and and just have, like, a little conversation with Shu or something. I think she just hangs out with Shu for, like, an entire book. At, at one point. Huh. And then, and then, like, book 14, she comes into play. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Weird. Weird decision. Like, the author put a ton of work into, into setting this character up. Just so much. Alright. Um... Then Ray runs into Hugo and pawns off 20 million of that leer in exchange for self-respect, while Hugo acts super cagey about shit and explains a ton about Caldina, a country that is important in the background, but has only been stepped on by a major character in these books in a single side story about five books from now. <laughs> I, like, I'm really baffled at how much exposition is dedicated to Caldina. Because legit, it is like volume nine or something. There will be a side story with a character who is in Caldina. It really seems to me, as someone who has only read three of these books so far, that they're setting up Caldina to be the... Like a major villain. The the actual bad guy. Like, they're, they're the one behind the scenes pitting... Uh, Drife against uh, Alter. Well, they're not Alter. really pitting them against each other. But well, like, I, I feel Dreyf- like I feel like they are influencing things behind the scenes to make these countries fight each other. They're definitely aggravating things. Like yeah. they're they're implied to be the ones behind the the PKers around the capital. Yeah, like it's never outright confirmed, but it's pretty pretty heavily implied that it's them. Yeah. So, they're not helping things, but Dreyf definitely invaded Alter on their own. Like, that was a decision Dreyf made independent of Caldina. Um, 
but but definitely it does more than any other um non-alter or drife nation caldina gets so much tension <laughs> which it, it makes sense because they are like close like like they touch both drife and alter yeah but legendaria also touches alter and legendaria is barely mentioned mm-hmm. like offhand mentions at most it gets mentioned less than tenchi and huang a wow um yeah and they're right there like (laughs) they're allied with all yeah um i think i think the only one who gets more of a short stick than (laughs) a legendaria is grand valoa um let's see then we cut to Zun Yu looking after the sick Huang He prince she's escorting before dashing off to the clash. And a mysterious individual, the books still think he won't have recognized as Franklin, plotting evil bullshit. Like, at, at, at this point it is so clear it is Franklin, but they still just do the, like, three question marks thing for the person. Yeah. And it's like, it's so obvious. Uh-huh. Like, why are we, why are we still playing this game? Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, let's see. Cut back to Rain. He's watching a duel between a pirate and a feathery dark knight who are opening for the Clash of the Superiors. And in the interlude walks in on a conversation between Shu and Figaro, where Shu goes to great lengths to hide his true identity from Ray, and Figaro tells Ray to bet, bet money on him. Ray bets all 60 million of his leer on Figaro's victory. <laughs> and Nemesis immediately calls him out on it. Yep. <laughs> Then Ray runs into Zun Yu, who, because she's carrying a distressed-looking woman in her arms, Ray takes as a kidnapper, and he almost gets murdered before Shu intervenes. Um, this is the follow-up to the agility versus endurance conversation earlier, because Zun Yu's agility is so insane that he does not even realize he's about to get murdered before the th- it stopped. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ray is just not at that anywhere near that level yet. No, he's not even close. No. Uh, Then they go back to their box, and the rest of the main story of this book is a very long fight scene between Figaro and Zun Yu that, for some reason, is not even partially from Zun Yu's perspective, even though that would have been a better choice, I think. Um, Because, like, they've they've done that before with, like, oh, we'll tell, we'll tell the the fight between Ray and Lich Maze yeah, from, from Maze's perspective. Yeah. 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 Or we'll tell the fight between Figaro and uh, Mad Castle from Barbaroy Badburn's perspective, right? Yeah. But for some reason, at no point do they give Zunyu's perspective from this. Yeah. And, like, why? And it, I think it's because he wants to have all those fucking conversations in the box seat. But, like, most of those are boring as shit. Well, I think he, <laughs> he he doesn't want you to see all of Zunyu's plans before they're enacted, too. Like, both of these... I, I think that works well when it's a situation of, like, someone extraordinarily powerful coming after you, and you, like, you, you don't have anything to really uh, counter them. 
Which is, I mean, honestly, that's what Ray was to uh, Maze. Cause, yeah, once he had the uh, once, once, the silver light, yeah, like, the, the, then the lich is useless versus him. Um, yeah, and then like also the other Figaro fight, the other dude had zero chance. So it, it really is someone who who just has no chance versus them. Whereas Zunyu and Figaro are largely equals. Yes. I mean, they're both superior jobs with superior embryos and uh, superior equipment, and they're the tops, basically, of their individual duel lists, and, like, the, the- and I mean, really, the only reason Zunyu doesn't win here is that she doesn't know enough about Figaro. Like, if she had known the shit about his embryo, like, she would have just gone for the head early on. Yeah. And that that probably would have had a good chance of getting him. Probably. Because he didn't know enough about her either. Yeah. Like, it was really just a, a matter of chance. And, and, and it is set up pretty well in that prologue that she usually goes for the heart when she kills that Eldridge dude by ripping, ripping out his heart. Mm-hmm. Like... That's her go-to thing, is to warp the heart out of people. Yeah. And then she tried it on Figaro, and it doesn't work. But I think either of them could potentially have turned her around knowing what the other embryo was. I mean, Figaro yeah, n- Figaro mm-hmm. wouldn't have uh, started with all his armor on from the beginning, and he would have just gone straight to 100%. <laughs> this is true. I mean, he, but, he, like, like, it, I know a lot he, of it was them fill, feeling each other out. Yeah, so I, I I think this is I think it was a, a good idea for them not to go from yeah. either one of their perspectives because it, it isn't it isn't through either of their perspectives really. It's yeah. all entirely you, you've talked from me into it. It, it. It's a good choice to not tell it from either's perspective, but I still think a lot of the conversations in the box are boring. Oh yeah, no, that I I I don't disagree with that, but. <laughs> It, it it kind of felt like it's the most Dragon Ball Z this this book ever gets. Oh, I mean, Th- these, they, they even these books. they even literally call that out with Yamcha Vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Figaro's. Uh, I, I've said um. Let's see a lot yes, this episode. Like six I don't times. know why. I don't know why. It. <laughs> I said it again, and I just felt like I had to call myself out on it. Like, why am I saying that so much? I don't know. Figaro's heart embryo is revealed, he defeats Zunyu, and then time stops inside their barrier, and Franklin reveals himself, kickstarting the plan that will be the plot of the next two books. The end. But... More interesting to me were actually the two side stories included to both fill page count and inform the reader of necessary information for the next two books. The first is a fun little jaunt with Rook where he meets up with his pimp mentor, Catherine, who is a total badass and points him in the direction of a monster shop where he finds a rare mithril arm slime and has to learn the process of taming the creature, a feat no one before him had accomplished. This is how he got that cool coat that moves unnaturally that Ray commented on in the second book. Yeah. Um, they didn't feel the need to expound on this at the second book because 
Rook barely plays any part there. And <clears throat> but they did need to put it here because Liz the slime is going to be important in the next book. Gotcha. And, and if he just if he just suddenly had a new like powerful creature, you'd be like, why does he have that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, I just like I, I like little stories like this that are important but are also just like a day in the life yeah like it's just like a little slice of rook's everyday life that just happens to be important for what's going to happen Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's really nice and and it's it's also the first glimpse we get of rook really putting his like uh detective skills to work yeah Uh, because <clears throat> it, it it's it started to come through with like when he uh, when he started talking to Marie earlier. We we didn't mention that, but like he pulls Marie aside after the three of them meet up earlier and starts talking to her, and she's like, "How did you know that?" And it's because he had deduced that she was the superior killer. Yeah. And, and this is us for the first time really getting to see him put his his skills to work like that. Okay. In, in figuring out how to tame the slime. I like that. Mm-hmm. More important was the second side story from Marie's perspective. She buys the tickets for the classes of superiors, then, wandering around town, saves Princess Elizabeth S. Alter from a gang of hoodlums, and de facto kidnaps her when the guards come rushing in. Marie shows Elizabeth a good time and discovers a plot to assassinate the princess. She foils this plot by revealing her true nature as the superior killer, the holder of the superior job Death Shadow, which is a fucking badass name for a job. It is. <laughs> and her gun embryo that fires multicolored bullets. She's actually the author of the manga her characters come from, something that got brought up during one of those endlessly boring conversations held during the clash earlier. Yeah, which was also obviously her. Yes, like the way she talks about it, and she's like, "Thank you," when she when Shu compliments the the manga. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you say that about just a manga you like? Ray, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, Ray is an idiot. Shu's also a bit of an idiot in that situation too, though. Well, we don't get Shu's perspective, though. It might be that Shu did figure it out. Yeah. But we we do have Ray's perspective, and Ray is an idiot. Yes, no, Ray is 100% an idiot. <laughs> uh, she saves the princess and kills all the would-be assassins before finding the documentation necessary to prove which noble was trying to kill her and handing it off to another noble who helped create that opportunity so that he can repent by bringing the other guys to justice. The other guy to justice. All's well that ends well. I didn't really like this book that much. Yeah. I mean, it, like, like like I I said, it's it it really doesn't feel like there's a lot there. It's really just build up to the fight between Figaro and Zunyu. Yeah. But the while the fight between those two is cool, it's completely divorced from everything that's been happening and everything that will happen. Yeah. It it, it just kind of feels like 
like we put a brakes on the story to go have a tournament arc except it's not a tournament arc it's just a single fight yeah in a tournament and none of the real main characters are actually involved at all yeah it's and, and yeah. It, it's cool but it's like why it it's like i so there's this the the last quarter of the book is side stories uh you know one one for rook and one for marie and then the first yeah. three quarters of the book are also side stories <laughs> <laughs> where we, well, we, the first... we look at Zunyu and then we look at Zunyu and Figaro. The first half of the book is cleanup. It it's just it's just following up on the stuff that happened in the first two books and tying up any loose ends there. Right? I, I and then I'd say I I would say only a quarter of the book total is cleanup. Like like mo it and it's it's not even okay. like the first right. quarter. It's like here's a little bit of cleanup here. We we went to the guard station, and then no no you're right. Other bullshit happens <clears throat> with, with other characters right. that matter more. And then we went to the guild. And then other bullshit happens with other characters. And then, like, it's... And then we, we met up with Hugo and and Marie. And then other bullshit happens with other characters. So, it, it really it, is... It's, it's part cleanup and it's part setting up the duel between Zunyu and Figaro. Yeah. And then it's the duel between Zunyu and Figaro. And then the book is over. Yeah. And then it's side stories that are infinitely more interesting than everything that came beforehand especially marie's side story like it's so good didn't like it that much but i mean compared to the rest of the book though yeah it's it's the most interesting part of the book and it's not even part of the main story (laughs) Mm. any other thoughts no um, I did, I did have some, some screenshots here. Yeah, I saw. Um. Hold on, I, I'm having issues with my throat. Uh, there, there are some, like, little fun character moments that happen here, which is one of the good things you can get out of having nothing happen in a book. <laughs> uh, so, so, like... We have this passage from one of Ray's chapters. Uh, Suddenly, I realized that Rook was staring at Marie for some reason. His gaze was reminiscent of the one my brother would adopt when solving a crossword puzzle. Thinking about it, I wonder why the crossword was in Arabic, I thought. (laughs) So, Shu, Japanese high schooler, just chills out in the living room, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Solving Arabic crosswords. <laughs> yep. How that even works, not certain. <laughs> right. Uh, we learned that Shu was a, a Power Ranger as a child. Yep. He, he, had, he had a brief stint as a child actor. I mean, he wasn't necessarily a Power Ranger, but he was definitely Sentai. Um, it says that he was the sixth Ranger. It, 
I, I don't have that screenshot, but in the book it says that he was the sixth member of a of a team of rangers. Yeah, well, okay. There are lots of rangers besides the Power Rangers. Okay, like, like I said, you know what I mean. Sentai. <laughs> he, he was he was Sentai. Not necessarily with, with how much the with how much the book references stuff that is famous in the West. I'm going to go with Power Rangers. Because we also have references, especially in Marie's chapters, she references Superman and Super Supergirl multiple times. And weirdly, Roman Holiday, a movie that at the time of Infinite Dendrogram would be like 90 years old. She's like, this is just like Roman Holiday. Yeah. Like, like she both <laughs> references it and then explicitly calls it out by name like two pages later. And then name drops yeah. it, yes. <laughs> Which is also the the time is another reason why I don't think he was a Power Ranger because uh, he would have been like four uh, no, sorry, he would have been like negative 40 years old uh, when the Power Rangers came out. You know Power Rangers still airs, right? <sighs> Yeah, but no they got like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They got Dino Suit Rangers. They got that's all. They got all kinds of Power stuff. Rangers. You're you're all well, mentioning really old stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know any of the new ones. I know they're still around. I just don't know them. <laughs> My mom didn't allow Power Rangers in the house. Oh, mine either. Uh, Mighty Morphin was '93. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's this really great passage from Ray. Uh, Killjoy. Killjoy Ray. He, he sees his brother in the bear outfit again. The one wearing it, obviously, was my brother. I said nothing. Again, the one in the bear suit was my very own brother. Let your brother wear his bear suit. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> oh, we we finally got the start of the the joke that I think of the most when I think of Infinite Dendrogram, which is this long running gag of just how much like a demon overlord Ray looks like, and and Nemesis calling him out on it. Oh, Black Raven is in the night grouping, I thought? I'm not sure whether it makes me feel any affinity for her. I mean, her equipment is a bit scary looking. I sincerely doubt the girl would like to hear that from you, of all people, commented Nemesis. What's that supposed to mean? Meanwhile, he's wearing just like... like boots that are soaked in pure grudge. Yeah. Yeah, undead, <laughs> undead boots powered by grudge and hell gauntlets yeah. that spew flame and poison out of, out of <laughs> mouths there are, there are mouths covering the gauntlets and he started to wear armor to match them so he's wearing this like blood red body armor yeah. <laughs> and a dark cloak yeah and I've show I've posted in this before an image. In fact, it's right above these most recent ones. Uh-huh. Uh An image of what Ray looks like, circa uh, volume like twelve. 
and he looks like the bad guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, he's definitely a bad guy in that. <laughs> and and at that point, he's still not sure what Nemesis is talking about. With how much of a villain he looks like? He is an idiot. <laughs> he is an idiot. Uh, all right. This line. I'd been told that, just like the toilets in this world, announcements were done by magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and finally, Rook can understand his monsters. Yeah, something very, very unusual, because it's not even a skill in the game. He can just do that in real life, which is right. fucking bullshit. <laughs> He can just intuit what people are saying by the way they're they're acting. Um, and it turns out that Audrey, his big bird that he got from Gardranda, uh, has a potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she she and Marilyn, his, his big dinosaur, don't get along. So they'll have fights where Marilyn goes, Moo! Which means, you uncouth red chicken! <laughs> And Audrey will go, Key! Cool! Which means, you hard-headed turtle bitch! Fuck you! Yep. <laughs> I, I like the point where, um... <laughs> he, like, answers them, and they both just stop, because they're like, wait... Wait a second. He can understand. He's responding to us. And he'd been responding to them up to that point. Yeah. It was just in a way that was vague enough where it was like, well, maybe it wasn't a direct response to their conversation. Yeah. But that one that one could only have been a response to what they were saying. So they were like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Rook is great. All right, we're at the end of the episode. It's time that we talk about the next one. I'm going to give you a choice. Good or bad? Wait, what do you mean? What? Just answer it. Do you want good or do you want bad? I mean, everybody wants good, but I'll take the bad. You'll take the bad? I'll take the bad. All right. Let's do it. Let's do the bad. All right. Well, next week we're going to be talking about the video games that we've played and for right. our mobile game we're going to be talking about age of origins oh god no that's what you meant no yes yep no that one's gonna be uh real bad it, it'll be real bad um uh, god let's look at this in addition we're going to be trying out a new um new segment this week uh where we are going to be talking about uh one hit blunders the songs that didn't make it uh on the rest of the album for a uh, a one hit wonder in this case we're going to be talking about imogen jennifer heaps speak for yourself album the album with hide and seek what you say? Oh, that you only meant well. Well, well of, of course, course you, you did. did. Yep. 
So look forward to that as we figure out what the hell that means. <laughs> See, uh, uh, <clears throat> It's a weird choice because I've always figured that she's like big in her circle, and like like in the modest mouse kind of way. It's not, it's not that she was ever trying to have a hit. It's just that she happened to have a hit once. Yeah, and she hasn't. She didn't like try and do it again. Okay. Yeah. That was always the sense I got of her. Uh, but she does have like four albums. I mean, and Modest Mouse has like twelve albums guess that's fair. <laughs> and no one's going to be like, oh, the albums that don't have uh, Float On on it are bad. Uh, I don't know anything by Modest Mouse. I have like five albums by Modest Mouse. They're awesome. I saw them in concert once, and they had, like, eight people on stage. They had, like, two guitarists, two bassists, two drummers. Like, (laughs) I didn't understand what was happening. Um, alright. In that case, I would say that it's probably not a one-hit wonder. Modest Mouse is. No? No, because, I mean... A one-hit wonder means that you have a big hit and then you disappear. You've got no other hits right. and, and you've got no critical acclaim. But, I, I mean, Modest Mouse, ha, I mean, you're right. It is well-known. You, you didn't say Modest Mouse and I go, uh, who are they? Right. And they, I mean, and you don't you say, say Imogen oh, Heap and the, I'm like, the, who? The, the band that did blah. Um. I, I'm, Image and Heap, it, I, I feel, is an unfair one to pick uh, as a counter to that, considering uh, what a fucking unique name. <laughs> <laughs> also, Not the only person named Imogen who is famous, though. I know. There's also an actress named Imogen Poots. I, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> but still. <laughs> <laughs> And what's that album called? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, Speak for Yourself. So, uh, yeah. We're going to be talking about about that. Uh, It would be a huge help if you actually shared this with anyone. Instead of me just repeating this every single week without anything ever happening. Um, Yeah, I'm going to call that out. That's right, you've been called out. And now you're just never going to listen to this again, which, you know, that's fine. The nobody who um, listens yeah, the, to the this episode, to this, this show. Um, there's not really a whole lot of things that I can pull out of the game facts, which is usually where I go to, to like rip something out. You know what? We talked about Cha- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Share this with someone from Texas. That's me. Share it with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you could do that by emailing Wombat at glowingweekpointpodcast at gmail.com that's right or literally anything else you could just email us like a a man waving hi or a gif or something Uh, but not porn please don't please don't email us porn that's that's not the type of gifts we want um yeah uh, thanks thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next time bye
Bye.